Jamie and I'm Nikisha and this is Talking Horror with Jamie and Nikisha where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome guys. (laughs) And I just noticed that we have basically become a James Wan appreciation podcast. Today (laughs) we are talking about the 2016 supernatural horror film The Conjuring Part Deux. The Conjuring. Ooh, dose. Number two. Number How two. many other ways can you say two? <laughs> I, wait. Nope. Can't. Thought, thought I had it. I don't have it. <laughs> and I'm actually doing Duolingo Italian, but we haven't reached numbers yet, so I'll get back to mm. you. Mm. Oh, Here I come. Am I talking to the spirit that's oppressing this family? Is that what I am? Is that what I'm doing? Yes. I've come to put a stop to it. Do you know who I am? Ed. Eddie. Edward. Ed is fine. So the contrary <laughs> to... <laughs> Obviously directed by James Wan and written by the twins again, Chad and Carrie Hayes, but also including Wan. This is apparently his first writing credit for the chain that is The Conjuring. We also (laughs) add another name to this, David Leslie Johnson as one of the writers as well. And it stars the impeccable, immaculate Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. They are back, baby. Power couple. Power couple as real-life paranormal activists. (laughs) I forgot about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so we're going to have a deep dive because I definitely have some questions, comments, and concerns about part two of this. There's definitely more activism in this, so I'm, I'm glad that you brought it back. Yes. <laughs> they will forever be activists because of <laughs> my idiocracy. Uh, obviously, spoiler alerts ahead, we're going to be going in depth, so if you have not watched the movie, please go watch it. Unless you don't like scary movies but love us and just want to listen, you can just keep listening. It's fine. You'll figure out what's happening, and you'll get a good vibe. Any trigger warnings, Jamie, that they should know about with this movie? I don't think so, um, unless you are triggered by possessions and and demonic type things, Ouija boards. Uh, I don't think that there's any, well, I guess in the beginning related to the Amityville, if you know about the Amityville story, um, that there is some murder and homicide there. So if you are triggered by that, this might not be for you. Yes, be mindful. But before we get into all of that, anything new? Have you guys watched anything? <laughs> we watched, uh, so we took a break from the Saw movie. So we still oh, have to watch right. Saw. We still have to watch the Saw final, 7. The Seesaw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and Spiral. We haven't seen Spiral yet. But uh, um, yeah, this, we haven't seesawed in a while. But I mean, that's uh, a lot. <laughs> Yeah. However, we did watch Escape Room. Yeah. Okay. I have not. Was it was it okay? Decent? I, I liked it. I've been I have wanted to see this movie since it came out in theaters. I missed it in theaters, and it's just been very expensive to rent. So it Got is it. less expensive to rent now. And we were all in. Um I mean, it does seem like a very exciting escape room to be a part of with the, you know, exception of the untimely deaths for some. But I feel like, you know, there was a lot of like thoughtfulness behind the clues and, and, you know, getting around. And then some just like, there was one room that seemed pretty impossible, uh, but, you know, 
other than that. Other than that, it was good. I'll have to check it out. Now that I've gone to my first escape room, I have mm-hmm. right. the vibe. Yeah. Now. yeah. now, I don't know if we talked about this because you guys had watched like all of Saw and that was <laughs> in itself insane. But I watched two movies last week, Dead Silence and Seven. Did we discuss this? Do you guys? Oh, we, we I don't think we actually to- talked about Dead Silence because okay. we had watched it too. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, let's talk about Dead Silence since we... Oh, watch that movie. It's still part of the James Wan universe. As far as with the Conjuring movies, do y'all have any thoughts about that movie in particular? It's a standard um, voodoo doll situation that's killing all of the peoples. Not necessarily like in Annabelle fashion, but... Wait, you mean you mean ventriloquist doll? Oh, what did I say? Voodoo doll? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're all dolls. <laughs> They're all possessed, possessed dolls, whatever, toys. <laughs> not, not great. I agree. I agree with that. I also already knew what the ending was because it was on like a, a Mojo, Watch Mojo Top 10 mm. situation. And I didn't realize that I already knew it because it was going through, I was going through the movie and I was like, have I watched this? Like, this clip looks very familiar. <laughs> But it was like, oh, okay, well, that James Wan has a plethora of other movies that solidify uh, him as a great director. And I guess we can agree that Dead Silence should not be part of that list. Yeah, I mean, Dead Silence was, we had a good time watching it. Don't get me wrong. It was fun. It was stupid. It didn't make sense in places. Mark Wahlberg's, uh, Donnie Wahlberg's uh, cop was ridiculous and like, like just like not doing anything a cop should or would potentially do the some of the settings were cool a lot of those types of movies bring up the fact of like how even though you think something wacky happened like you you have to like be intelligent about how you approach people about like this wild thing you're telling them like it was it had its (laughs) moments you could see where the James Wan James Wan isms were coming in, like in terms of director, but like, right? Yeah, not not great, not great. Yes, I agree with that, and it's it's the total juxtaposition of how Ed and Lorraine work in the Conjuring movies, like really trying to dive into things and not assuming one or the other as far as size, spiritual, or a hoax, and. Dead Silence was just, um, it was not it. Also, I watched Seven per yeah. you guys' suggestion. Yes. Yeah. And I think you mentioned that I would get a meme from watching that movie that I had seen, but I have never seen that meme, you guys. As wait, far, wait. Like, what's in the box? You've yeah. never heard anyone Spoil- say that ever. So, spoiler, just in case we talk about it, you've yes. never seen Seven skip ahead like a 30 seconds a minute. Yes. Because so, we're probably going to talk about the end. <laughs> I thank you for that. I have never seen that before. And so I had to look it up and I was texting one of my friends who had actually also suggested that movie to me like a year ago to watch. And he started sending me all of the what's in the box. (laughs) What's in the box? What's in the box? Such a terrible, but I mean, I I enjoyed the movie. It was definitely a ride as far as what the hell is going on. And then for it to end in that way was just like, are you kidding? Uh, But it was, it was good. It definitely wasn't like a jump scare, whatever type thing, but I definitely see why it's a good suggestion if you are into the Saw franchise. For sure. Mm-hmm. Now, did you? Were you so? Two questions. Were you surprised when they revealed who the bad guy was, and were you surprised at the very end with the box sequence? Yeah, I was not anticipating the bad guy to just show up out of nowhere. That kind of turned me off just a little bit because I wanted it to be some elaborate like. Ooh, Morgan Freeman was like a part of what was going on because he was oh. like about to leave. You know, like I wanted that kind of twist in the movie. Um, so having the killer just kind of come out was like, ah, okay. But the ending I did buy into because it kind of made sense when the wife was like making all those phone calls and trying to get in touch with her husband, but he was 
you know, trying to deal with the killer and all the things. And then she and, you know, spoiler again, you know, but her fate happens in the box. And uh, yeah, it was it was crazy. It was a it was a crazy ride. But I was I was in it for the most part. I enjoyed it trying to figure out the pieces of the puzzle. So sure. I love that movie. It's David Fincher. I, I, I enjoy David Fincher as a director. Mm-hmm. So like, that's awesome. Also, like I can only, because like, so, so spoiler alert, Kevin Spacey is the bad guy in that. And at the time, Kevin Spacey did not want his name on the post or anything. He wanted his reveal to be a total secret because he was a big star at the time. I mean, mm-hmm. um, and I can only imagine what it is like now because he's a, he's a fucking monster person. So like, um, <laughs> like him being revealed as the bad guy halfway through out of the blue. Like I can only imagine like now having such an even more visceral reaction because he's a garbage human being like, and like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, no, I agree with that. It's kind of like the reverse of the movie, the hunt where they had like all of the stars in the trailer, except for the people that it was again, spoiler, if you have not seen the hunt, but Wait, I haven't the, seen the hunt. Okay. Well, never mind. I <laughs> Did you like it? And I loved every second of it. And it led me to really be a fan of Betty Gilpin, who yes. also in Glow. So yeah. I watched that whole <laughs> series mm-hmm. and I'm obsessed with her. She is a she's, fantastic. Yeah. A fan. She's so she's good also, in Glow. She's also in Nurse Jackie. Yes, I did see that. I, need, I haven't watched that, but I saw that she was also in that. Not a horror show, but right. very, very good. Yeah, so I I highly suggest The Hunt. It was oh, cool. It was really good. So let's get into The Conjuring 2 with a good old plot summary. I'm Jamie, I'm leaving this one to you. Woohoo! What's the plot? <laughs> I feel good about this one cuz I think it's there's not that much that I want to say. <laughs> Yeah, there's right. not much extra. <laughs> so you have two minutes. I'm giving you two minutes to do the plot. Three. Two, not two hours. Two minutes. <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to give me two hours? Yeah, I can positive. go really detailed if you need. No, 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 no. Three, <laughs> two, one, go. Okay, so the movie starts with a throwback to the Amityville story. Um, Ed and Lorraine are investigating the Amityville murders. If you've seen Amityville Horror or know about the um, the incident, um, they were determining if there was a demonic presence uh, with the guy who killed his entire family. Um then it cuts to this random family in England starts to experience some supernatural occurrences uh, with an old man in their home who we assume is dead and possessed and a demon or, or what we don't know. Um, and then they, the Warrens come to start to investigate the occurrences to see whether or not it's actually possession or if it's just, you know, some maybe they're making it up maybe it's a prank they're not sure um and the movie spends a lot of time trying to find evidence for whether or not the haunting is real the possession is real or just made up um and things continue to escalate they try different strategies to figure out if if the possession is real from the young girl um and then uh Oh, and then they they get evidence on video that she that the girl was making it up. And so the Warrens leave. But then they go back and they like revisit all the other materials that they recorded. And then they realize, oh, wait, no, she's not faking it. And then they go back to the residence just in time to save the girl. Um, And that's the plot summary. Yeah, you have have 15 seconds left. Do you want to just want to say anything else? Uh, the demon's name is Valak. Absolutely. <laughs> Great way to end that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I yep. just, I skipped over all the, all the actual scares, but that's, that is the summary of the movie. Right. You need to actually watch the movie to get all the scares. You, we're just giving you what it's about. The general, mm-hmm. the general plot summary. And that's the plot. <laughs> so... Tell me, guys, did you like it? Have you seen it before? What is your history, if any, with this movie? 
Um, so I have seen this before. I don't know if this is the third or fourth time I've seen this one. Um, but I, I also really enjoy this movie. I like that they continue to lean into like that. They're not that they're not just, you know, trying to assume that it's always possessions and things like that, that they're, they're really trying to gather evidence. And, and this one goes much more in depth to the evidence piece. And, and I do know that part of that is because in real life, this situation, the story that this is based on was actually a hoax. And so, yeah. So when the warrant, the Warrens like went out to this family in, in the UK and investigated it. And the, and the people that they're referencing, as you see in the credits, like are real people who were there trying to, trying to either like, you know, reinforce that this was really happening, that it was really a possession or trying to disprove that it was not actually real. Um, so the real, so when I, knowing that information, watching this movie, I like to think about it from the perspective now that I've seen it of, okay, if she's really making this up, like what's going on, what are some of the, what are some of the things that she could be doing that it makes sense that she's making this up. And I like that if you have seen this movie multiple times, you can kind you can stay with that perspective and, and watch it and see like, okay, maybe, you know, this is harder, but I do like that there's still elements of, if you're fully buying into that, she's not faking it, that it's real. Like there's the one scene where they have her put the water in her mouth to see if she can do the voice that she's been doing. And she's sitting in the chair where the, the possessed spirit is, is known to have died. And because it's in the background, you you don't see the transition happen, but you can see, even though it's out of focus, her her body transforms into his body. And I think that's a really effective way of reinforcing like if this if this is to be real, that's what it that's what we are experiencing. And if it's not, then it doesn't matter because they're all facing the other way anyway. So so it's like really wanting to believe so deeply that it is true. And I feel like the, the way that they portray that is very effective. So I, I, I still think the first Conjuring movie is better, but I do really like continuing with this same trend, which makes me only excited for the next one, but like continuing with this trend of they're not just trying to dupe people. They're really trying to figure out, you know, what evidence is there that like this is really happening so that we can actually appropriately help you and not, you know, not potentially cause more harm. No, I agree with that. I think that's definitely one of the draws for me in the movie. But in you saying that, it led me to think about if they are not trying to dupe people, but how are they getting paid? Like, are the families paying them to do this? Is the church paying them to do this? Are they just doing this out of the kindness of their hearts because they have the God gifted abilities to help people? What do you think? That's a good question. I guess my thought was that they are being paid by the church because they say a few times that that I mean I know like for this circumstance they're there on behalf of the church the church like it sounds like kind of hires them to to determine the legitimacy of of if this is a real demonic possession or not for then the church to be involved because I guess like if you think about the <laughs> the business of yes. the legitimate versus the illegitimate possessions like how many how many occurrences do you feel like the church gets notified of every year and like do they have the capacity to actually investigate themselves each one individually and then and then at what point like now we're going deep in the rabbit hole like Love what it. are the factors that determine if it is legitimate and it does warrant a response from the Catholic church, like I have so many, that's what like I was thinking about. Like I have so many questions about this process and, and I'm curious, like what, what you think as I go deep down my road. Yeah, no, I think that's, that is all a part of it as far as uh, them being hired by the church. That makes sense. Cause I was just thinking like, how are they making their money? Cause they have like a really nice house, you know, and they have a daughter <laughs> to take care of. Well, they definitely, they definitely make money from their TV appearances, That's all of that. Say. Yeah. They, and the schools that they go and speak to about mm -hmm. these kinds of things. I was like, okay, well they can also be making money from 
that going around and speaking to people about this who want to know more about it. And um, yeah, it's a good question to think about what would warrant the church to come because in the first Conjuring movie, it seems like it was an issue that the church needed to get to, but they it would take too long for them to get there. So Ed and Lorraine just had to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is a question of how many times in a year would they actually be able to get to a place and have to perform an exorcism or whatever the case may be. But with that, this is my second time watching The Conjuring 2. When I watched the first one with my friend on tour, he was like, well, naturally, we have to watch the second one. You need to know what's going on. Of course. so we watched the second one. And I also agree with you, Jamie. I liked the first one better than the second one. And I was trying to wrap my brain around why that was the case this while I was watching it this go around. And... I think it it had to do with they were capitalizing on the success of the first one. I felt like it was a little bit too long. There were some moments that really didn't need to happen in order to tell this story. And there were some jump scares that they tried to attempt that I thought were not really needed, especially with the uh, little boy, Billy, and the whole like train situation going in and out of his tent only because he wasn't the one that was actually being haunted in the end it was the girl Janet and yeah I I also had a question of with the recording with her with the water in her mouth that (laughs) stuck out to me in a sense of why would they not also video that so that they could actually have proof of him speaking and her mouth not moving. Like they just did the audio of it and that didn't make any sense (laughs) to me because obviously, yes, if you turn around, she could very well just spit the water out, you know, make a voice and then like take in the water and yeah, drink it again. So I was just like, why you have cameras and things. And yeah, I also had a question of why was the demon like possessing like why did it choose the family when it was really trying to get to ed and lorraine because like lorraine was saying like oh this is a demon that's probably here to like test my faith and i don't know did that stick out to you guys did you ever like think about that i mean i guess like I think what James Wan at least is trying to say is that the Warrens really like to help out like families and, and like there's something, cause there, there is so much of an emphasis on the Warrens and their own relationship and them as a family unit. And like, I, I think there's a lot of really cute romantic moments in the middle of this horror movie between yeah. the Warrens um, and, and just their love. And so like, I think that, I think that there's, something that they're trying to say something about the Warren's desire to help those in need or like those most at risk. Maybe they're viewing like family units as those most at risk and, and taking advantage of that. And so if, if demons are trying to, to test the Warrens by possessing specifically, you know, young children and families, then, then maybe that's what they're speaking to. Okay. I can buy that on in the same vein why do you think that the demon chose Janet? Now, in the first Conjuring movie, it made sense that it was the mother because the witch who died was a mother who sacrificed her baby. And so they she was possessing all the mothers in the house. But then a man, but not a man, it was a demon nun. <laughs> why would she specifically, why do you think, I guess, she would specifically target Janet? And they always mention the thing of, those who are the most emotionally distressed, you know, I guess. And I guess another question on that, do you think she was the most most emotionally distressed out of everybody in the family? Like, why would it be, why do you think it would be her? So I'm going to, I'm going to take this one. I asked this exact, I asked this exact question to Jamie during the movie because (laughs) this is my second time seeing it. We had watched this, 
earlier in the pandemic, like we watched Conjuring 1 and Conjuring 2. And again, I, I agree with you both. I like the first one much better than I like this one. I still like this one a lot, don't get me wrong. I think that one of the problems with this movie is that it's too convoluted. There's so much happening. There's this young girl who's being who's being you know controlled by the spirit who's being controlled by another demon and the demon is the demon has been after Lorraine since the first one because that was what she saw in not only in Amityville but that's what she saw in with during the videos in the first one but it also feels like a random occurrence that Valak would take over this one girl is this just The only explanation I can think of is that this girl used a Ouija board to, and this one actually earns its name, The Conjuring. The first one doesn't conjure anything. This one, I actually, at least they conjure something. Um, (laughs) I also make up the fact that like, if you make a Ouija board yourself, your energy goes into it. So it's a lot stronger than one that's like printed. They didn't say that in the movie, but that's what I'm going with. And so I think that, the girls, oh, using that Ouija board, they conjured the spirits because nothing, they'd lived in the house forever. Nothing was ever wrong. So they opened up this portal for the demon to come through. The demon found, you know, the guy, what was his name? David? I, I forget the ghost's name. Oh, Bill. Um, Bill, yeah. sorry. Bill, 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 Bill. Right. Bill, Bill Nye the Science Guy. Bill Nye the Science Guy. Yeah. That's so, what that makes me think of. <laughs> So they, yeah, so Bill Nye, the science guy ghost, he was in the house. So now Valak is controlling Bill Nye, the science guy. Now, (laughs) is is Valak's idea to just get Lorraine and Ed there? I don't know because it's so random and it seems like, I don't know, coincidence. I don't know, whatever the case may be. But also on the flip side of that. Valak wants everyone to leave. Valak doesn't want anyone there. So, like, does Valak only want the girl's soul? Like, who cares? Like, why this girl? There's no reason. And the first one, you're right, Nikisha, like, the whole point was that, you know, it was the, the mother and the kids, and, like, that's what keeps happening. See, to me, that's more concise. This yeah. one is just, like, I don't understand. And then, but also, like, if Ed is supposed to, quote, die on that stake in the front yard of the tree, like, wouldn't they want them there? And, like, it, it was all a little bit too wonky for me. And, like, it did, because, the and, it, and the the expectation, it was, it was going to be tight because the first one is so tight. And this one just feels like it goes on and on a little bit. To me, the exciting part of this movie is that they didn't lose any of the characters. Like, Ed is still, like, fixing the sink. Like, he fixed the car at the first one. Like, Ed is still the same type of person. Person. Lorraine is still the same type of person. None of that stuff gets lost. The movie is still funny. Like he makes that joke about how the camera is so much lighter. Yes. Um, and like that was that's that was really funny. Um, so I just didn't understand the point of this aside from the scares, because that whole Valak, you know, are they the chosen couple for Valak? Like, are they like all of that was just a like did was Valak behind all these? It feels like, you know, Valak is like this big bad that's actually been behind all the movies and we're finally getting to like, you know what I mean? Like, and, like and that just like, like a Scooby-Doo reveal. It's like, it was totally. the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> or like, did you see in the new James Bond movies, like they retcon everything to make it seem like Spectre and uh, Blofeld were behind all the other movies. And that just feels kind of yucky. So like, I, I didn't really love it. Also, and maybe one of you two can explain this to me. Was the Crooked Man there just for fun? Like, the Crooked Man had nothing. Does Valak just, like, like Valak was like, okay, so I'm going to get Bill, not the science guy. He's Bill he's he's, he's dead, guy. and that's crazy. And also, like, oh, this toy, like, sure, we can throw in a Crooked Man. Like, that, to me, that... That was like that was like you know in TV shows with like introducing characters for like a backdoor pilot into another TV show. Yeah. That's what this felt like. They were just like introducing the Crooked Man to like make a Crooked Man movie, which I think they are doing at some point. They so, are doing it. You're welcome. But so also, like, I mean, maybe we need to watch The Nun to learn more about you know what what Valak is looking for. Yeah, I shouldn't have to watch a movie made after this as a prequel to this one to understand what Valak was up to, right? But it's a universe. It's a whole universe. It's a conjuring universe. They're conjuring up a universe. No, it's a a conjuring chain. It's a conjuring chain. 
with Bill Nye the Science Guy and the Babadook because that's all that I can think about. <laughs> I, I think the- you mean I'm Mr. Robert Duke. <laughs> Duke, Duke, Duke. So I, I totally understand and I agree. And I think that they were just trying to layer too many things on top of each other as far as the scares, as far as the villains or, you know, whatever, the paranormal activity that was happening. It was just like stacked on stacked for what reason there really wasn't. But with that, some of the things that I did like, and we can share some things that we did like about the movie was the framing of some of the jump scares. Um, This house jump scare with the TV remote and Janet by herself in the daytime when she was Mm. on school sick. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you're following the camera back and forth between her and the chair, but then you get to her in the TV screen and you see him through the TV screen. They go back to the chair, it's empty, but then go back to her and he's behind her. And I thought that was very effective because you think that the scare was seeing him in the TV screen. And so your guard is down because you think the scare is over. And it's like, nope, it's not. We actually have some more here. And then that's what really kind of gets you, which is what I appreciate. And there's um, a whole YouTube video about the nun picture sequence about how uh, James Wan lengthens out shots so that he, he builds the tension of it, obviously, which we always talk about, which is a key thing in his directing and also following the first person point of view with the camera into the actual room where we see the nun walking to. And it's just about building that up for the nun to eventually come in, even though we've already seen her in the hallway at first, which I think is genius. It's like, we already know what's happening or we already know who the the villain is, where the bad guy is, but then we got to follow them to see like what they want. <laughs> which is a logical thing to do, you know, follow the the evil and horror to see what it wants so you can Mm -hmm. figure it out. And I think it was just great how he set it up. And also, if you, there's another video of, you can see Valak's name in various parts of their house throughout the movie, or they figure out what their name is. So I wrote it down. If you look at minute uh, 33, where Ed and Lorraine are in the kitchen talking, you can see behind her, there's, um, there's a little thing. And I, I couldn't even describe like why they would have those letters in that secession, (laughs) but it's behind her there. And behind him, there's like little letter blocks, but they like spell out Valak. So as they're flipping between the frames of those two, you can see their name in the background. And then in uh, minute 43, when Lorraine and her daughter are in the den and they're uh, talking, I think it's right before the whole nun sequence happens, before the daughter sees the nun, on the bookshelf, there are random letters um, that are on the bookshelf and they all spell out phallic, which I thought was like, ooh, look at those little Easter eggs. That's super cool. I definitely never know this that before. Yeah, Definitely not. And here's my thing. If you're going to lean into the Valak thing, then, like, I need more explanation. Like, is Valak the reason why the Annabelle in the first one, like, that, like, infected their family? Has Valak been with her the whole time? Like, and and we can assume that. Let's assume that that's the case. Like, in execution, it didn't work as much as the... Um, as much as the intent may have been there for all the Valak stuff. Don't get me wrong. That Valak sequence with the painting in the house is spectacular. The Even the Valak stuff, like at the end when, um, when Patrick Wilson, okay, here's a question. Hunkier guy, Patrick Wilson holding the girl out of the window, holding the curtain or, or Valak or, <laughs> or Chris Evans holding the helicopter in Captain America. Ooh. <laughs> That's a good one. I really like Ed's personality and like he's just such a good person in general that I just have like such a heart for him. So I think that was probably more of a, a hunkier. Yeah, I think he's got like real daddy vibes in that scene. It's just like that, like parental. Yeah, that's. I think um, you mean Zaddy with a Z. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that is, like, what draws you. It's like, oh, it's not just, like, brute strength, but, like, I'm so caring and, like, oh, look at my muscle. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's the sensitivity for me mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Warren. So mm-hmm. we're going to have to go with him. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that I, that tracks for our sign. I was just about to say that. Yes. <laughs> we need all of the sensitivity. Well, Jamie, you already have it. You're about to be married. Congrats to you. <laughs> if there's any evidence. To Ed this, Lorraine, to this um, Gemini. Yeah, can't, sorry. Can't trust a Gemini. Listen, I could tell you much about Gemini's, but I think don't have Well, get, getting back to Ed and Lorraine. Um, <laughs> well, I, I do think that with Lorraine... I understand what Valak represents in this. And I like the idea that she, Valak is a, the demon is a nun to, to kind of, um, what did she say? To make fun of her, to, to her religion, test her faith. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought to, that was to interesting. To make fun of her? Yeah. I don't, to test it. Yeah, to, to, nah, 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 nah. Valak's just here. Yeah. To tease everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that, I thought that was interesting and I understand how they were using that to <laughs> emphasize the emotional journey of Lorraine and Ed throughout this. Notice how the first movie ends on the spinning, um, the spinning thing. Boy, yeah. The, the mirror and the toy and it cuts out. This one, they do that one and the end is actually them dancing together to Elvis in the living room, which I thought was interesting. Also, very Chris Evans um, endgame vibes. But what I will say is that to me, I know we're getting a third movie and we're going to cover the movie and it's, I'm very excited for it. To me, you know, this one they were probably going to always do a third one because these movies make a boatload of money, but these really are nice hand in hand movies because it starts at the beginning. If if we're going like with a constant all the way through movie one talks about how she saw something during that exorcism that, and whatnot, we don't know what it is. And this, when we find out what it is, they, you know, Ed's apparently going to die. And they together as a couple, they are put on earth to do this. And, you know, they defeat Valak, who apparently, I guess, also may have been involved in the first one, potentially, if we want to like say that it was. And right. this, they defeat Valak. They're super happy. They get to dance to Elvis at the end, and it's beautiful. So, like, these do work as, like, a, a bookends, if you will, to, like, nothing in the middle, but, like, bookends. But, like, but that makes me excited for the third one because they can kind of do whatever they want. They're not, like, continuing anything. It doesn't take place right after. They're also going for a different vibe in the third one, which is more like courtroom with flashbacks and stuff like that. So, like, well, based on the trailer, I think. And so I'm, I'm like, super looking forward to that stuff. But, um, yeah, this one was definitely a lot sweeter in places than the first one for sure. Absolutely. And do we know if the third one is definitely after, like, is it set in the 80s? Because I know the first two is like 71, 76. And then Conjuring 3 takes place in... 81. So yeah, I guess it takes place, maybe some of the action takes place before then and like 81 is that well we'll see obviously i don't know right yeah that was the stuff in the house with the little girl and everything with bill was like engaging enough for me i thought bill like bill nye the science guy was like awesome and like jamie said that sequence of like the uh the foreground and the background is like spectacular and um like the one you mentioned um the, i really like the one in the flooded basement where you see his face and and he pulls out the the fake teeth like i i think all that stuff is is super great it was not valak like valak was only there to create tension for like lorraine and everything but like it didn't add anything to the haunted house story because like i was already into that with with all that stuff i guess it you know but like Still, like, what do I care? I still jumped and 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 you know, had a great time. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> also, and it followed all of like the horror movie no nos of like Ouija boards and why mm-hmm. would you ever buy a house and keep the furniture from the house? That was weird. Yeah, but, especially because like that. Also, that house was janky and like the whole corner behind where that chair was was like moldy and gross and probably very unsafe and so what if they were all just like breathing in mold spores and that could contribute to you know possible hallucinations and delusions well so they were supposed to be like not a wealthy family obviously and were they here's the thing even if they were a little bit more wealthy before the father left um 
Like you'd think that like those things would get fixed so they could buy a chair or two. Like, and I'm not saying like they need to be super wealthy, but obviously they were less wealthy when he ran away with his new kids and stuff like that. But like, I don't know. It just, I know we're getting into the nitpicking of it, but yeah, it was gross. They could, they could all have mold poisoning. It's terrible. Yeah. Yes. I just don't understand also just why you would want other people's furniture. Like you don't know what could be there. Like, or the bed bugs of it all. Like just why would you have other people's furniture is one of my major things. And then also just not listening to the animals. That dog was like ringing the bell. Get me out of here. Like there's something wrong guys. Mm -hmm. Well then the other one wasn't even a dog at all. Which was a great moment. I thought that was really cool. Even though I don't like the Babadook, I definitely enjoyed that sequence of it's no, it's not the dog. It's actually the demon. What is that? (laughs) So going along with, since we're already on the subject of like human behaviors and why people are doing what they're doing, Mm -hmm. here's a question. Why do you think people are so drawn to connect or communicate with spirits? So we have this like Ouija board at the beginning that was, if you notice, made on the back of a life cereal box, which I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Something that represents like darkness and death and was like on the back of life cereal. Life but why do you, I mean, why do you think people are so drawn to want to communicate with spirits, which in theory, <clears throat> you think, uh, I think about it, like watching the movie and I'm like, what are you doing? But as a person of faith, it's also like, well, that's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's not demonic spirits, but it's spirits, you know? So I don't know. Why do you think people would want to go off the deep end of trying to communicate with a demonic spirit? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess my thought is like people generally don't like things that are unresolved. It's not like their father is deceased, but there is like the loss, like there's still this form of loss with their father having left and and leaving them behind. And so like, you know, people, people generally like don't like to leave things uncertain unknown we we find comfort in like what we know and and so like you know wanting to know maybe like there's something that feels unresolved and not knowing if there are like other things out there or like that's how Janet's processing the the loss of her father um by wanting to know if there's like you know more to life than than what she's experiencing. And, and I, I, I guess like it, I was thinking about that before when you were asking like, why target her? And, and I do wonder like, because of her age within like the family um, at the time that their father leaves, like, is she particularly hurt by that in a way that maybe like the younger siblings are, are too young and like, don't really understand her older sisters, like older and, and is able to process it in a different way. Um, you know, the mom has, is processing it in a different way. And, and maybe Janet in particular is like having a really hard time with it, especially I, I, they don't really, talk about this in terms of the whole theme of the, I mean, maybe, maybe I just thought of the opposite thought, but um, like, well, okay. So to unpack what was happening inside my brain and make it outside of my brain, there's something about Janet in the beginning being caught with her friend's cigarette and, and trying to explain and like prove her truth that she did not in fact smoke it, even though she was caught with the cigarette, that that doesn't mean that she smoked it and her mom doesn't believe her. And so then you go through this whole movie where she's experiencing something supernatural supposedly but nobody like but she has to prove that this is really happening and go up against a bunch of other people who are potentially trying to disprove her reality and so I think that's interesting not necessarily answering like why is she seeking out you know like communicating with spirits but I think that there's like something going on with the fact that she is not to be believed for whatever reason. Like we don't, we don't know what happened before the movie starts and like how often was she getting into trouble? How often was she, you know, like not being listened to? Maybe it's like a middle child syndrome kind of thing. Um, like a family order, you know, um, that could play into it too, which I'm not like, I am, I'm not like a family therapist, so I'm not the most well-versed in all of that, but 
I wonder if just like the family order has also played a role in historically like her needing to, you know, prove that she's saying like what she says is what she means and and that she's not being dishonest. I buy that. I I will take that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I pivoted significantly. Uh, But, you know, that's just where my brain is at right now. So it's all good. I mean, it all connects. And I, I totally understand why they would be in this movie why they would be seeking out someone to like tell them what why is my dad not around and you know all those things why do you think that so much of the demonic activity starts in the bedroom because I was thinking like why do we as humans always kind of or in movies they always kind of run to their bedroom and run in their bed and feel like they're safe from everything, but then that's like exactly where all of the demonic activity is happening. Do you have any any thoughts about that? Of like, why do you think that that might be <laughs> might be the case? Do you ever th- do you feel like you're more safe, like in your bed, and you know, as opposed to anywhere else in the house? Like, I mean, I guess. Well, with the first part, does it even start in the? I mean, I guess it starts like she hears something and is talking to something, but she's always being pulled back into that room. Like she like, remember, she's like sleepwalking into that, into the living room. She wakes up and the mom wakes her up in the chair. But then the crooked man somehow is like in the neighbor's house. Weird. Just not making sense. I guess I was thinking of when she... Her, she wakes up her sister at first and she's mm-hmm. like in the bed and she's like yelling at the guy. Yeah. The, at Bill well, Nye. Well, Bill Nye, the science guy. Well, I, I think it happens in the bedroom <laughs> because like that's where you're most vulnerable. That's where you take off your, your masks. That's where you take off your clothes. That's where you get more comfortable. When you go to sleep, your guard is down. Like it's just the place where you are. And we talk about, you know, you're, you're attacking the most vulnerable person in the most vulnerable of spaces. And I think that's why so much of that happens in the bedroom or, you know, also demons are out at night and, you know, and, and yes. I mean, most of the time and where are we most of the time at night in our bedroom. So there's like a correlation between that, but that, that, that's, that's what I'm thinking. So this is a question for the both of you. So Lorraine sees in her vision, her husband's death that he's going to die if you knew when your partner was going to die, would you tell them? Or if you knew when you were going to die, would you tell your partner? If I knew when my partner was going to die, I would ask them, hey, do you want no spoilers? <laughs> and if they say yes, I I respect Brian's Brian's boundaries. I, you know, he, he doesn't want spoilers. I will not give them to him, even if it's around, you know, his, his final minutes. Um, so, you know, I would ask first, um, if I knew when I was going to die, I would probably tell him, um, because I'm, I couldn't carry that information like just by myself. And I would want to like give, I would want to give somebody a heads up so that they can prepare, um, and plan. Cause like there's potentially a lot of stuff that comes with it, not just like logistics, but also processing, that's that's my own perspective, but I know pe- some a lot of people are different and like they don't want to put that burden until like it happens, so to speak. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Brian, Brian. Now I want to know. <laughs> this is an interesting question. Um, I guess we're talking in the context of we're going to talk in the context of like supernatural. Yes. Like, because like, I feel like there's also an answer. Like if I, God forbid, like, you know, knocking wood, like you get diagnosed with something and mm-hmm. then you, the doctor tells you, you have like six months to live or whatever. Like, yeah, at and what then point I become do you jigsaw. Start- and then I start, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, teaching people the importance of the value of living. Absolutely. I guess the question I have, like, so that's a separate, I feel like that's a separate question. So the next one is kind of like, like, like Lorraine, more clairvoyant. And like you, like, I know that, you know, that's not, not even when, but like, I know like the manner of it because I see the tree (laughs) thing. I think I would, I I would, I think I would ask like, Hey, yo, I know you're going to die. You want to know, or I'm going to, you know, hold on to this. Um, if, if for I, I, yeah, I mean, if I knew when I was gonna die, 
I probably, it, it would depend on how much, two things. It would depend on how much, like, I feel like we together as a team could avoid it. Hmm. Like, how much control do we have over that destiny? If I needed help in defeating Valak or, like, not falling on a tree, like, <laughs> I would probably ask for help. How can we get past this, all of that stuff? I think that's Cut one version down of it. All the trees. other one is, like, We'll cut down all trees. But the other thing is like, yeah, as I'm cutting the last one down, it falls on me. But the, uh, the, the other one is, you know, if, if, if there, if I know when I'm going to die and it's like, and, and like, I probably, there's also a part of me that would like, if it's not truly eating me up inside, I could probably keep it so that like, just for a little bit longer so that like, I'm not putting it on anybody else until it needs to be put on somebody else to help me along with things. I don't know. I think it's, I don't know if I would also, if I was clairvoyant, like my life would be very different. That'd be fair. But it'd be one of those things of like, if you knew something could possibly happen, would you try to change it? It's like with the whole, like, you know, and that's so Raven, every time she sees a vision, she tries to stop it, but it keeps happening anyway. <laughs> yeah. I think and we, that's Nikisha's recommendation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When it comes down to it, like Jamie and I talk about everything. So like, I would probably tell her like that and she would tell me that. So like, yeah, you have I, I, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. I'm scared. Um, but like <laughs> just in general, I think that would be the case of that. But like thinking about it more deeply on the other level is definitely more fun. Absolutely. I, I Wait, what about you? I don't even know. I, just, <laughs> it'd be hard to think about this in the context of actually having somebody else that like I cared about and would have to say that to you. Cause I don't even think I would tell like my parents, you know, if hmm. when I was going to die or whatever, I would just kind of let them be happy and free. Cause they would just stress out about it for until I was dead and then keep stressing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, it yeah. would not be helpful for them. So I, I don't know. It would depend on my relationship with the person and how we have our lives set up hmm. <laughs> that, that would, that would really determine that but I was just curious because it was just so interesting to see them in that dynamic of I know when you could possibly die and she kept it from him for that long because I mean we Mm -hmm. don't hear about it in the first movie of like what six years have passed yeah but she does she doesn't know when she just kind of knows how and we and yeah and only only in the Amity the Amityville uh situation does she know does she know that like he's going to potentially be like um impaled we don't know what she knows before that we maybe she just had a vision that he was gonna die or i i i don't know but there i'll give lorraine a little bit of benefit of the doubt but like she doesn't know when per se but also like that's also probably something she's thinking about like every second of every day or every time they do something. Cause that obviously affected her feelings about the first movie as well, about going to the house, not going to the house, but also she's the one who wanted them to go to the house in the first one. And this one, she's, right. she doesn't want to go to the house in this one. So mm-hmm. there's whether or not that plays through the whole thing is another question entirely, I guess. Yeah, that's understandable. I also am terrible at like keeping secrets from like, like <laughs> so I would probably just be like doing the dishes and blurt out, oh my God, I'm going to die on this day like this. Sorry. <laughs> and then we're here. So with that, on the mental health note, I did have one question uh, about this. It was mentioned that Janet could be possibly just going through hysterical neuroses. neurosis. Mm-hmm. Can you explain what that is and the characteristics that Janet had in order for them to try to kind of make that assumption. (laughs) I feel like that's like old, like antiquated term for like, okay. Anxiety and maybe like, you know, disrupted sleep. I mean, the, the, the DSM has changed a lot over, over a long period of time. So, you know, the names of, of diagnoses and and like the characteristics and stuff have all evolved. Yeah, it just is uh, neurotic disorder characterized by violent emotional outbreaks and disturbances of sensory and motor functions. Synonyms are hysteria. It seems very very vague, a very generic. Yeah. Um, hysterical neuroses is now like conversion disorder. 
Oh, interesting. So it's also interesting because, like, historical hysteria is typic- was typically only diagnosed in in women. Fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as like you know, emotional excess. So I imagine that they're saying just like this this heightened the reaction, not just like emotionally, but also like physically because of the the things that she's saying are happening to her physically with the symptoms of the possession. Um, oh, here we, here we go. Here we go. Based on what you were saying, like literally, <laughs> historically, the concept of hysteria was originally understood to be a condition exclusively affecting women, though the concept was eventually extended to men. In recent surveys of conversion disorder, formally classified as histor- hysterical neuroses conversion uh, type, Females predominant with between two and six female patients for every male, but some research suggests this gender disparity may be confounded by higher rates of violence against women. Hmm. Just always bringing down the woman, basically. Mm-hmm. All of them are being yeah. best. Hysteria is very interesting to look into. There was a, if I'm, if my historical memory serves me correctly, which Historically, it hasn't, but I believe that I believe that there was a time where the treatment for hysteria was prescribed by doctors that they would, this is going to be sexually graphic, sexually gratify the females to reduce the incidence of hysteria. But conversion disorder, I think, is um, where, where you are experiencing certain like physical ailments that can't actually be explained by any medical, like there's no medical reason behind it. Any like paralysis, blindness, things like that, um, where there isn't like, there's no known medical explanation for it. I don't even know what the rate of diagnosing is for conversion disorder, because to be able to suss out somebody who is actually experiencing that without the, without the medical explanation, but also like I guess, how do you verify that? How do you verify that someone's like being truthful about that um, versus, you know, potentially making it up? So there's a lot of, I think, controversy within like this particular diagnosis. Well, with that, do we want to do, well, any last thoughts about the movie before we go to Rotten Tomatoes and ratings and such? I'm I'm just really excited to see what they're going to conjure up next. (laughs) Conjure up all of the things. I don't know, but all I know is that the devil made me do it. Yes. It should be good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. This one, I like this one. The, there are some really scary moments in this. The The power couple is still delightfully charming. We get to hear Patrick Wilson sing. Like, what could be better? So good. That was so cute. At first I was like, oh, this is a little hokey. But it's like, no, they're like really nice people. So, okay, I get it. <laughs> And I understand it. We, we we totally didn't talk about how like he's like, wait, if I play these at the same time, it's one sentence. <laughs> it gave me don't get me wrong, it gave me chills and goosebumps, but also just like like way to like figure that out last minute, bro. Like on the the bus or train home, I guess. And it's just like, oh, these tapes are gonna fall into this. Space where you can figure out to play yeah. at the same time. Mm-mm. Yeah, that was a bit much for me. It was a cool moment. I loved it, but and the editing was awesome, and like the chills from like the, the back and forth. But like, yeah, okay. Now we now we, we can sign off. Sorry, I just had to bring that up. I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Cool. Well, let's do Rotten Tomatoes then. What do you think the Rotten Tomatoes score of The Conjuring 2 is? Nikisha, let's start with you. I'm going to say 76. Jamie, what about you? Uh, I'm going to say 74. Whoa. Okay. It is an 80%. And I thought about 80, but I was like, no, I don't think it got that much. Yeah. Okay, and 80%. The Conjuring 2 can't help but lose a bit of its predecessor's chilly sting 
through familiarity, but what remains is still a superior ghost story told with spine-tingling skill. Okay. I think that's My fair. spine tingled a little. Yeah. Samesies. I got that spine tickle. Tickle? Yeah, it tickled my spine. <laughs> that was tingle. It tingled my spine as well. Also, what was that? <laughs> Can we just like take out that snippet um, <laughs> sound? And play it again and play it again. From various over parts. and over. No, no, no. It's I'll play it again right now. <laughs> that was tingle. But that's it. That's it. <laughs> Let's do the four S's. Let's do the four S's. Yes. Skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns, four S's. <laughs> so the four S's are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. Uh, we're rating them one through ten. Skulls is about mental health and behavior. Scares is about jump scares and how scary is it. Shakes is about how much can you shake it off? Does it stay with you? Does it leave you a little bit? And then Suggestions is another movie you would suggest to watch uh, now that we've seen this. Um, so, uh, Jamie, let's start with you with Skulls. I think I would give it a three um because there i don't think there's like that much going on in terms of like mental health uh exploration and i guess like with human behavior stuff for the most part i think they're operating i guess like as as normally as you could expect with the exception of like in real life she made it all up right (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i put a two for Mm. that as well because it doesn't really explore a lot of things but that's good to know that it was the real thing was actually fake (laughs) yeah you should look into it because i actually don't think the warrens got super close at all like in the process Mm, okay i gave it a two uh a two as well I, i also gave the conjuring a two for skulls so it just like this didn't do anything more or less than the first one in terms of that so okay scares jamie I think I would give it a 4.5. There's not a ton of scares, but the the scene in um, the Warren's home with the picture, I find like very unsettling. Because even as you're like watching it unfold, you you know where it's going to come from, but it still just like gives me the heebie-jeebies. And uh, the Crooked Man also gives me the heebie-jeebies, but not like overly like horrifying so so yeah somewhere kind of middle of the road for me yeah I put six because maybe I just forgot a lot of the scares but excuse me the tv scene really got me I was like oh okay there he is and uh the nun the picture scene of course and yeah there were just a few other things where I was just very very surprised like it got me a little bit so I'll give it a six Nikisha, we're very we're very much on the same page because I also gave it a six. I still jumped. I definitely forgot a lot about it. However, it was not as scary as the other one, which I gave an eight. So I'm going with a six for this one. All right. Shakes. How much can you shake it off? Is this a one and done? You know, how how Taylor Swifty is it? <laughs> like a two. It doesn't really stay with me. I feel like the thing that really stayed with me is like that I really appreciate the love between the Warrens, but mm. that's about it. They're just, they're so cute. They are quite adorable. Relationship goals, you know? Mm-hmm. Just get into paranormal investigation and you'll find <laughs> their true love. I think you mean uh, paranormal... Uh, Activism? Activism. <laughs> yes. I put a five initially, but now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know why. That <laughs> because... Yeah, I could definitely shake a lot of this movie off. So I'm going to go to a three. I'm going to move it to a three. Yeah, this is this is more like a four or five for me. I'm going to give this a 4.5. It just like, I remember sequences for sure. But when I think of The Conjuring, I, I 100% think of the first one. Okay, suggestions. Lay them on me. Uh, Jamie, why don't you go first? Suggestions. Um, so I have two. One of them is The Last Exorcism. 
And I chose that one because the idea is that it's about a minister who performs exorcisms, but he doesn't really believe in it anymore. Um, so I was thinking about kind of like the perspective of, of someone who isn't fully bought into it, even though he's like in that life, like that is his life. Um, and, but like him being disillusioned leads him towards something that might potentially be real. So I won't spoil anymore if y'all haven't seen it. Um, so that's The Last Exorcism. And then the other one kind of similar to that is Malevolent that I watched sometime during the pandemic um, with Florence Pugh. And it's also similarly about a, like a group of um, like fake paranormal investigators who are again, like scamming people out of their money, except they start to experience some supernatural things as well. Some potentially real ones. So, um, so that is malevolent. They're both, they're both pretty good movies. Um, if you're freaked out about the paranormal stuff, <laughs> the last exorcism might be a little spooky, but malevolence, not like possessive stuffy, but, um, it's good. You should watch it. Those are good suggestions. I have not watched either of them. So I have to put that on the list now. You're welcome. <laughs> I have no, you, those are great suggestions. I have no suggestions. The only thing I kept thinking about was Bob <laughs> because of the crooked. Man. So <laughs> if you want more like stringy CGI, but yeah, those are my suggestions. Baba Duke, if you want, um, you know, or like thin man vibes <laughs> as far as villains. Mr. Robert Duke. So <clears throat> the obvious one is like watch the third Conjuring movie. Like, yes. <laughs> but um, you know, we talked a little bit about Ouija boards. Like, watch Ouija Origin of Evil, the Mike Flanagan movie. That's a really fun one. That's a good one, and it's a lot of Ouija stuff, and it's also a lot of fake versus not fake uh, stuff. So that that factors into it as well. So I would definitely suggest watching that. Great. Well, I think that is it for us at Talk Horror Pod. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Talk Horror Pod, P-O-D. Like us, subscribe to us, and give us suggestions of what please. you want us, please, of what you want us to talk about. We already have our season lined up, but we are definitely taking suggestions for other things. Brian, where can they listen to us? Sure. You can find us wherever podcasts are found. That includes things like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank and you. Thank you. Um, and, and really do uh, rate us and review us because we are a young podcast. We appreciate your listens. We're going to do a lot more of these like next week. Um, if, you, if you're listening week by week, uh, we're going to be doing the third Conjuring movie. So we're going to finish up that trilogy. Um, but I would love for you to rate and review us there. It helps other people find us. Uh, and it's super, super helpful. So please do that. Thanks. Yes, because we are hashtag doing our best, as always. We're just doing always. our best. We're just doing our best. Anybody have a sign-off quote for the, for the people? Bill Nye, the science guy. <laughs> Bill, 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 Bill. Bill, 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 Bill. I agree. Bill Nye, the science guy. Bill Nye, the science guy. Bill, 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 Bill. Bill Nye, the science guy.